0: Good morning, welcome to Woody. I'm Annabelle, I'm one of the leaders here. I'm delighted to be continuing with our series on Luke this morning. And we're also going to have a testimony from our pastor's wife. So I'll see you in a moment. So, welcome to chapter 9 of Luke. There is a lot in this chapter, so I'm not going to be looking at all of it, but we're going to be focusing today on the feeding of the 5,000. So, we'll be looking at that miracle. But before we read the relevant passage, allow me just to set the scene. So, at the beginning of the chapter, the 12 disciples have just been sent on their first mission trip. Up to that point, they'd been following Jesus around and watching what he was doing and learning from him. But then he has them pair up and go to different places to proclaim the kingdom of God and heal those who were ill. They weren't allowed to take anything with them. they had to be totally dependent on God's provision. So any of you have done any kind of street evangelism or anything like that, I'm sure you can imagine how they were feeling, how nervous. So off they went on their own, and they did it. It says they went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere they were off on their own without Jesus and they were doing it. They must have felt absolutely elated. And in a different gospel, it says that when they came back and told Jesus, he was overjoyed too. It had been a success. So when they arrived back, they would have been bubbling over with stories and wanting to see each other and catch up. And undoubtedly, they would have been absolutely exhausted as well. So, let's find out what happened next and read our passage from today, from verse 10 through to 17. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging, because we're in a remote place here. He replied, you give them something to eat. They answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Thank you, Lord, for your word. So, back to verse 10. When they returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done, and he took them with him and they withdrew by themselves. So this is debrief time. I don't know whether the disciples had been expecting this little mini vacation, but I'm sure they would have been pleased when he suggested it, as they would have wanted time with each other and him and to rest. And then it says, but the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them. Wow, if I had been Jesus, I might well have said to the crowds, sorry guys, I have some responsibility to my disciples, they really need some time with me, so I can't be with you at the moment. But despite Jesus' plans, he didn't begrudge the crowds, he welcomed them. He didn't just put up with them. It says in Mark's Gospel that he had deep concern for the crowds. He allowed his plans to be disrupted, even though those plans had been good, because he had his eyes open to the people's needs. But the disciples may well have been pretty peeved. This is a challenge and a model for us. How often are we so stuck in our plans and routines that we don't see people's needs? Or worse, we do see them, but we can't bring ourselves to be flexible. It's certainly something I've been aware of in myself. So what else does Jesus model and challenge us on here? He didn't just welcome them. It says he spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who needed healing. And you see this time and again throughout Jesus's ministry. Stu talked about it last week, and we see it in the early church. And in fact, it was what he told the disciples to do on their mission trip. So he is remodeling for them as well. It is speech and action always together. He spoke and he healed we also should expect to do both if jesus chose that speaking was important we must not be silent and if jesus chose that signs of the spirit were important they should be to us too so firstly let's look at the speaking he always speaks of the kingdom of god so what is this it's clearly jesus's priority and good news and what it means is the reign of god as king and ruler In other words, the good news is that God is no longer distant from the world, but that his reign has broken back into the world with the coming of the Messiah, God's Son, who would be our sacrifice for sin, our bridge back to God and who brings us life in all its fullness. His reign brings back into the world defeat of the devil and power against the wrongness of the world. And how does he prove this and show that it's not just empty words? Well, He healed people and set them free from sickness and demons and so on, thereby demonstrating that he was telling the truth when he said that the kingdom of God is here. So the actions back up the words. It says that he healed those who needed healing. He always does this. If you read the Gospels, he is constantly at it because healing is a sign for us of how God feels about us that he loves us and he wants us to have life in all its fullness. He healed those who needed healing, not just some, but all those who needed it. He never turned anyone away for healing. In any gospel, there's no record of, of that. He always heals them and he says he does what the Father wants him to do. The Father wants us to be healed Now, I know it's hard to get our heads around this because we all know of situations where we've asked God for healing and it perhaps hasn't happened. And there's a whole other talk there. But for today, let's just allow ourselves to wallow in the fact that Jesus never turned anyone away who asked for healing. So he welcomed the crowd, he spoke to them about the kingdom, and he healed them. So let's get to the miracle. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came and said, send the crowd away. Now, this looks like care for the people. They needed food and lodging after all. But given the way the day has gone, there may have been some mixed motives there from the disciples. The people themselves were perhaps less worried. They knew they couldn't eat, but they had chosen Jesus instead. So the disciples make a suggestion that at first glance, glance seemed sensible. However, it wasn't actually practical. It wouldn't have worked for 5,000 men, plus any women and children, to descend on the nearest town looking for food and lodging. But more to the point, it is not what Jesus has planned. Verse 13, Jesus replied, you give them something to eat. Now, in John's Gospel, it says that he was testing the disciples with this. Their first mission might have finished, but they are still in training. It was, of course, impossible for them to feed everyone. But he expected them to look to God's miraculous power first, not to start counting up the loaves. And especially because they had just done the mission trip where they had had to be completely dependent on God's provision. They were slow to learn, as are we. They answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go and buy food. I detect a bit of indignation here. I'm sure they felt incredulous and perhaps a bit despairing at Jesus here. Jesus responds by giving the disciples an instruction to get the people organised. The disciples followed his instruction. Jesus then gave thanks for what little they did have. It doesn't matter how little we have, God can multiply it, but we must give it. Jesus didn't conjure food out of the air, he waited for the offering. And we must always give thanks for what we have, because it reminds us that it is a a gift. So Jesus gave thanks, broke the loaves. The wording here reminds us of communion. He then gave it to the disciples to distribute. This was more than a one-man mission, and the disciples did the work of distribution. And then, verse 17, they all ate and were satisfied. This is a miracle. There is nothing here to imply that it was a tokenistic feeding or, as some would try and explain it away, that the small offering prompted others to share their food, sort of bring it out and share it. They all ate and were satisfied. They were full up. And all four gospels record this miracle. It was significant to the early church. And it has echoes, not just of communion, but also of God feeding the Israelites in the wilderness with manna from the sky and Elisha feeding 100 men with 20 loaves. But Jesus feeds far more people with far less. It also has echoes of the heavenly banquet banquet we can look forward to. Isaiah 25 verse 6 says, on this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. We worship an extravagant, generous God, and Jesus meets our needs entirely when we rely on him. And this has happened since. Just the other day, I was watching a video about a soup kitchen in South America where they had a similar experience of too many people. They prayed and gave, and the food just kept on coming. So miracles still happen today. Neil Anderson describes a miracle like this, a miracle from God is a supernatural intervention into the fixed order of the universe for the sole purpose of establishing his kingdom. A true miracle can only be accomplished by God and only help to fulfil his redemptive purpose. So there is a purpose behind it, a redemptive purpose, it's not just a magic trick. And at the end of that verse, it says the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls that were left over. There was a basket for each disciple. If that didn't hammer the lesson home, I don't know what would. It would have taken hours to feed all those people. The disciples arrived tired, possibly hungry, probably a bit cross at having to share Jesus. But they walked away with abundance. There was complete provision for everyone. And they left with more than they started with no reaction from the crowd is recorded this is about the disciples lesson and about jesus's messiahship messiahship it comes in between two passages about who jesus really is the passage just before after it's talked about the mission there's a little bit where it's talking about herod and who herod thinks jesus is and then the straight after the miracle is the bit where Peter recognises Jesus as the Messiah. So what was the lesson for the disciples? Well, turn to Jesus and his miraculous power first, not to sensible solutions first. It's much more fun. All things are possible for God. And there is so much good news in this passage for anyone, for us, whether you know him yet or not. Firstly, Jesus can provide for any need. One commentary I read said, he does not give tracts, advise fasting or counsel patient resignation. He feeds. Now, I don't think there's anything wrong with tracts, fasting or patience, far from it, but you get the point. He had deep concern for the people and he fed them. He has the same concern for us. Secondly, Jesus never turned away anyone asking for healing. If you need healing, ask him. Thirdly, Jesus brings in the kingdom of God's reign on earth, not just in heaven. And also, Jesus welcomes any of us (coughs) at any time. He is the ultimate host. He shows great hospitality to the poor and hungry masses. His hospitality is lavish and costly. And is for everyone. And lastly, what little we offer him as we release control, he multiplies and he gives it back to us. So the challenge for this week is, if you don't know Jesus personally, please believe that he welcomes you and he wants to seat you at his table to heal you and to provide for you. Please talk to him and talk to a Christian you know, or message us, if you do know Jesus, then can you emulate him and learn with the disciples? Can we turn to his power first? Can we heal those who need it? Can we talk about his kingdom and what Jesus has done for us? Can we lavish welcome and hospitality on anyone and be flexible in our plans? And can we believe in miracles? I'll finish with this quote that I read. We aren't called to believe that Jesus can, as it were, do tricks to order. He wasn't a magician. What he did on this occasion was to allow God's creative power to flow through him in a special way, as with his healings. And we Christians are invited to invoke that same healing creative power in all that we do, in everything that flows from our life of worship. So thanks for listening. We have a story now from someone in our church who experienced God meeting their need when they relied on him. So I hope you enjoy this. Thanks to Jan for sharing that. I hope that you found that encouraging. If there's anything from this morning that you'd like to discuss, then please do get in touch. The usual ways will show now and we look forward to seeing you again next week when we'll continue with Luke. Have a good week.